You're entering the chat connection. kids or not, you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that students and some parents, at least in the state of Georgia, have gone back to school. I mean, I, at least I think, if not all, most of them by now. Um, and I've definitely heard the good and the ugly. Uh, y'all see, I skipped the bad, right? <laughs> but yeah, I've heard it all from parents, teachers, students, and aunties because we count to <laughs> okay well yeah i mean more props to y'all who are making it work making the best of the situation and just rocking it very well because i've seen some full-on classroom decorations and themes and even some lunch uniforms y'all know y'all pity. and for the others uh i'm gonna keep y'all on the prayer list because i can also see the resignation level <laughs> coming. I mean, the struggle is real. However, with all that being said, you know, unfortunately, there's always going to be a subset of people whom I feel get left behind in conversations. Of course, it depends on the topic, on what subset of people we are referring to. However, for this conversation in particular, I'm referring to people with disability and special needs because for quite a few, especially education is actually one of the primary places where people with special needs develop a lot of key skills or get social support. But unfortunately, as a society, there are still quite a few misconceptions and stigmas when it comes to people with disabilities. So because of this, I am thankful to join the conversation with a parent with an amazing special needs child who has been very open and brave enough to give a little insight into her world and I'm hoping that this episode will inspire at least one person to stay encouraged, if anything, or just a little bit more inclusive when it comes to topics such as these and start normalizing the conversations that need to be had. So yeah, no matter what side of the fence you find yourself this school year, I'm hoping you make the best of the situation that you're in or just be brave enough to speak up because you are definitely not alone. Hi, thank you again for joining the show. Um, I know this isn't the easiest of topics for any parent to have, which is especially why I chose to talk about it today. So before we start, if you could kindly give us your name and how can we show you some love? Hi, Linda, and thank you so much for inviting me to your show. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Effie Parks, and I am the host of a podcast called Once Upon a Gene. You can find it at effieparks.com and on every other social media platform. It's a podcast where I talk about my my story of 
raising a young child with a rare disease, and I help to share other stories from the rare disease community. Yeah, and it's a good one, guys. You guys need to go follow her. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and obviously, there are you know many rare diseases and disabilities. So, what exactly is the diagnosis of your child, and a little bit about your story? Yes, there are around. 7,000 rare diseases out there that they know about. And my son's is called CTNNB1. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of the rarest ones that it's just named by the gene. Oh, wow. Um, so when we found out about his diagnosis, he was about 16 months old. And we were told by the geneticist that there were 29 other patients that they knew of in the world wow. with the same diagnosis. 29. Yes. All she said was, some can walk, some can talk, and I don't know anything else about (laughs) pretty much what our call was. Wow. So I'm sure that had to be hard because... Yeah, it was one of the most debilitating moments in my life um, leading up to that and then getting that phone call. Yeah, Yeah, that that was a really hard day for us. So because they didn't know anything about it, could they let, you know, like any milestones that, you know, your child should reach at a certain age? Did they let you know anything? Well, I feel like for me and a lot of other people in the rare disease community and the doctors who don't know most of them or if any of them, they tell you to go get into all the therapies like physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy and go on your way because there's no cure and there's no treatment. Mm. But that's the stuff that you can do. And that's really all they leave you with unless they have some sort of reference to look at. (laughs) But what mine could have done is maybe done a quick little Google search about it before (laughs) she gave me the diagnosis because there were actually more than 30. There were were about 50 at that time. And there was a website. There was a, a group of some family members who started the organization for ctnnb1.org and you know my geneticist didn't know because she she didn't look which I don't know if that's necessarily her job but I didn't get any resources from her at the time yeah and could you let us know exactly like what what is the disease you know I know I've never heard of ctnb1 so so it refers to my son Ford he's four he's not producing enough of a protein called beta catenin so unfortunately it's a it's a really important protein and it has to do with you know the cell reproduction adhesion uh connection it causes a waterfall of effects that have that affect the kids in a different range. And my son in particular is currently, he can't sit, he can't crawl, he can't walk, he's nonverbal. He has developmental delays and uh, weird things like he has a lack of pigment. So everything's very white. He has some vision issues from it. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally, they thought he had albinism actually, um, which is great because it led us to getting a genetic test. Um, yeah. But yeah, it affects kids a little differently. Ford is definitely on the severe end of the physical stuff that it is affecting. So I know you mentioned that you had a call around like maybe 16 months. So prior to that, did you see any changes? Was this your first child with it? or? Yep. Ford was my first child. And after we had him, we were having really I mean, it was a, it was impossible to feed him. It would take a couple hours to get a couple ounces in him. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't sleeping. He was constantly writhing, like 
like he was in pain. Um, the doctors kept brushing us off. We took him into the pediatrician once a week, every week. And we were telling the doctors our concerns and they were just like, you're a new mom. And you also just don't know how to breastfeed. Go see the lactation people a couple times a week and Ford will eat. Mm-hmm. And you're just worried. You guys are worried parents because you're new. Everything's fine. And that went on for several months until he was about four months old and on that appointment, the doctor looked at us and she looked sick that she had just maybe realized something or I don't know if she checked the levels of something, but she said, you have to take Ford to the ER. Wow. I'm worried about him. And I hate that. I mean, that happens a lot, you yeah. know, a lot more often than people think, like, unfortunately, because um, mm-hmm. I have a cousin actually when he was younger, my aunt would take him to, to the hospital. Ugh. Like he would get like these little knots or balls in his head. And um, every time she took him and was like, something's wrong with my child. Um, instead of helping the issue, they would, you know, she would be greeted with social services. Come on. And then that would be a whole nother thing. So every time, and it, you know, she continued with her gut instincts and kept going doctor after doctor. Finally, one doctor paid attention to it and it turned out he had cancer. So, you know, <laughs> if she didn't push through, um, obviously he's reached, you know, a lot of milestones that they said, but they still say like, you know, he can't have children or, you know, his growth is stunted, but it's like, you know, you could have literally checked at the beginning. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that he's still here, but it's like, there are a lot of things that, um, unfortunately, <laughs> um, like you said, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll know something's wrong with your child, whether you're a parent, a first-time parent or not, you know? For sure. I'm glad he's doing okay, but I'm really glad that she kept pushing because it's hard to even do that, right? When someone in power yeah. is telling you no and not really knowing in any ways that you can challenge a doctor and you can ask questions. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, so as a parent, like, what were some of the adjustments? I know you said that was your first child, so I'm sure you had you know, certain expectations initially, um, like what were some of the adjustments that you had to make prior to your initial expectations? Man, that has been some of the most profound uh, difficulty in this whole process for me and my family, but me especially, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm pregnant and I've wanted to be a mom my entire life. And I finally met the man of my dreams. And we had this idea of what it was going to be like, right? We had all these dreams and, you know, we thought he was going to be an astronaut and Mm -hmm. we painted (laughs) his room and blue with stars. And, you know, we imagined how he was going to change the world and all this stuff. And when it lights into a giant ball of fire, you are completely in shock. And, you know, I noticed a few months in uh, that my son wasn't doing stuff that my friend's kids were doing. For some reason, six of my girlfriends had a baby within three weeks of my son. So we all had kids that were the exact same age. And I remember noticing once my friend sent me a photo of her baby sitting up in the bumbo chair. And I was like, wow, I haven't even got our bumbo chair out yet because he would fly, he would fall sideways in that. Like, why isn't yeah. Ford sitting in his bumbo chair yet? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when this was all happening in the beginning, um, I mean, I was devastated. My sister came over and just like, let me cry for <laughs> like, I don't even know how long, you know, you just, the expectations go out the door and you have to yeah. bury them like deep. Deal with, yeah. <laughs> you have to bury them deep and, um, you know, you have to find ways to keep your head a little bit above water so you don't get extremely sucked into 
the darkness and the depression and the fear surrounding it. Mm -hmm. It was tough. I mean, it's still tough, right? I have to actively, this is kind of one of the reasons I started my podcast is because when this happened, I felt like I was the only person in the world feeling this. Like I didn't know one single person with a kid who was like this. I didn't know anyone with health issues like this. I didn't know anything about disability. I didn't know anything about special needs kids other than that, right? Like I had no clue. And I suddenly felt like nobody knew what I was going through. Hmm. And I know you said that, you know, you had three other girlfriends that had, you know, children within weeks of Ford. Um, Are you still close with them? Like, did you guys raise your children together or was there a point where that changed? Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning... I had to I had to make some boundaries there too. You know, everyone with the best of intentions always will say, oh, he'll grow out of it. Oh, my kid does that too. And it kind of diminishes the real life stuff that's going on for you. Yeah. So I would definitely say that I, I kind of disconnected a little bit from people like that and not mm-hmm. in any way other than it was making me feel even worse. Yeah. But I love them and they're still my friends today. Um, I don't necessarily go to a lot of the kid functions at this point. I'm getting better at those sorts of social interactions with like kids parties and things like that. But yes, they're all still my girlfriends and they're all so supportive. But I would say that things changed in that I had a different idea of our kids growing up together than what's happening now. Mm -hmm. And I hope to get it to a really inclusive sort of situation in the future. Um, But I just wasn't ready when it was going on in the beginning. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So do you have like, what are your new dreams for his future? Oh man, you know, uh, not putting limits on Ford is a big thing for us. And that's good. We have always been looking for things that we can get him into that he's going to be surrounded by not only kids like him, but all of the other neurotypical kids, all of the (laughs) kids that need to be around kids like Ford, you know, adults that need to be around kids like Ford. Yeah. I don't know what your experience is with being around disabled people, but, you know, you're told to not look, to not talk, to not ask questions. And it's, it's created, it's created a wall and it's created kind of, it's put them in this little corner where nobody's listening and nobody's necessarily including them as a diversity into the conversation. No, that that is definitely true, Uh, (laughs) which is why I think it's important to talk about. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because it's it's happening, you know, right? It is, it it is, ah. totally. You're right, the ground is moving. Um, (laughs) But like before Ford, I would have never thought to say disabled when someone said, what is diversity to you? I would have Mm. said race, gender, religion, you know, I would have said everything but, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why wouldn't I know that? Yeah. So until you experience it, it, it's not inclusive to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately. So does he have any uh, siblings? Um, I have another little girl who's one and a half. Her name's Esme. She's so adorable. She's, she's (laughs) a neurotypical little girl and watching, watching the unfolding of a the kind of child I expected I was going to have in the first place is it's, it's one of the most miraculous things I've ever experienced. <laughs> yeah. It takes yeah. my breath away every single day. Yeah. She like a prince. <laughs> it's not yet. She's, she's, okay. she's an yeah, interesting like she's person. Almost two years old now. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> she has, she steals my lip gloss all the time out of my purse. I don't know why she is obsessed with lip gloss, but she always has been. I'm like, don't open that. Her lips need to pop. <laughs> I'm going to get her something. She can't have my good stuff. 
<laughs> Pretty sure oh, I had to use man. wet and wild for a while. <laughs> You know, oh man, oh, I mean, so how do you guys explain like disability to her? Does she understand it right now, or is there a time that you guys will be waiting? Yeah, I don't think she understands it right now. I mean, we say things to her, sure, because Ford has like a lot of sensory issues, and right now he's grabbing onto her hair, which is really, (laughs) really frustrating. You know, and we tell her that, you know, he doesn't mean it and he's not trying to be mean and he doesn't understand that it's hurting her. Like we Mm -hmm. say those things. But yeah, the conversation that we're going to be having with her for the rest of her life will start soon. And I think about that a lot from her perspective as the sibling to someone like Ford. And, you know, I've, I try to talk to other families who have siblings and I want to make sure that I don't screw that part up (laughs) and I want to make her, her feel seen. And because there's a lot that goes into taking care of a kid like Ford, like I have to do a hundred things for him before I can help her. And that, yeah. that worries you me. You got to find that balance. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, yeah. but you know what? Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be amazing to have this perspective from her this is just the way that she's gonna know it and she's lucky for that because I didn't learn that until I was 33 years old yeah like she already grows with that knowledge and um yeah yeah. no that's really good yeah that's really good so what have been some of the like triumphs and struggles uh with Ford I know you said he is (laughs) I want to say a little man of his own but (laughs) man he's he's amazing he he's he his laugh is so incredible i don't know if you've heard it yet on my podcast but man he's amazing (laughs) it's contagious he works his butt off he he got a wheelchair last fall you know Mm -hmm. he was three three years old when he got his wheelchair and he couldn't even move it and now that kid is wheeling around he's doing (laughs) tricks you can ask him to do tricks and he does these little spinny things He's so independent in it. And he's four. I'm like, how is this four-year-old managing this device and (laughs) understanding direction and all of this? It's incredible. I love watching it. And, you know, he's, he's, he's done so much physical work to be able to build up the muscle and stamina to get where he's going. And it's exciting to watch because it lights him up when he realizes that he's in charge for whatever reason, of course. Oh, that's good. It's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Um, he's also doing I'm something. I'm sure that's contagious too, yes. like for the family, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. We're all excited. He's doing a hippotherapy, which is, um, it's a type of therapy that's on a horse for people with disabilities and it has horses yeah they're the best and you know how magical they are right they they just there's something about them and that type of therapy has been probably the most effective kind that ford's been in so far um it's going to be the one that eventually helps ford to sit and to crawl yeah i really believe it i've already seen so much strength in his back and everything happen from riding Gigi. we are so excited (laughs) i love it um school was going so well ford's really ford loves being around people he loves riding the school bus so we're really looking forward to that coming again soon because that's a huge part in his development yeah um, I was going to ask, like, during these times, you know, oof. what impacts have it made? Because I know that's a big question, even 
for I mean just in general with um, just students and in general but like um, kids with disabilities unfortunately like how how does like learning change for them or um... school and therapy opportunities shutting down has been devastating for Mm the kids in this community, especially um, that schools where um, most of us get our therapy, our PT, our OT, our speech, our vision, and the social emotional aspect of it. So not getting that is, it's been detrimental to the development of these kids and yeah. they've, they've been regressing severely in different ways. Um, so it's, it's been really hard. It's been really hard for these kids and the families and, you know, Zoom just isn't cutting it for most of them. Yeah. You just, I mean, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that with Ford. And also, like, he doesn't care about the computer. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, I think the adults are tired of it as well. So yeah. he's not, he's not the only one. But well, yeah, just a, hoping that we can figure out some sort of like one-to-one approach. Yeah. That we can get some movement back because they're losing skills that they were you know, soaring with. Yeah. Like all the kids, it, it just sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Everyone, I think everyone's on the same. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, Unfortunately. I'm going to have the, I know my, uh, um, go ahead. I'm going to have the biggest margarita at a restaurant when this is done. <laughs> like, the biggest. Oh, my sister, she's a teacher. So I know some parents, some stories that she's told me, like even like on orientation or anything where it's supposed to be like a scheduled 15 to 30 minute, you know, with each individual child. Some parents have left their <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've done that. And I've run their errands <laughs> and they're, you know, having to wait for the That's so funny. Stuff. Well, even so for I'm the like, teachers. They are ready. Yeah, yeah, even for the teachers, like our parents. Our teacher at school who does the PT, like her little girls in the background coming in and bugging her. And it's just like, come on, everybody. Yeah. Like, this isn't just us. It needs a break. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man. Well, it's good that, you know, Ford is doing well, you know, further than what, you know, the doctor said. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, but it's glad to hear that. But I also know, like, you know, obviously relationships are hard enough as it is. And, you know, a lot of times you find that raising a child with special needs can either strengthen or break a marriage. So um, how did that, you know, work for you or progress? Like on which side of the fence has it landed yours? Mm. You know, there's a statistic that always like neon signs in my mind. They say that 5% of marriages of parents who have a kid like Ford survive. Mm. And that is, that is is a bad one. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I'm so blessed to have the partner that I do. And I feel like our families also have been such a part of nurturing our relationship and making sure that we all kind of go on this crusade together. Um, yeah. And they've helped us nurture those things too, right? Um, but I feel like it's almost empowered us as a couple, at least for now, um, to to just no, claim it. Yeah. And don't just say for now, yeah. just claim it. Claim it, girl. <laughs> Like when we got married, my brother married us and he said when he was doing it, he said, your marriage needs to be nine, 90% and your kids need to be 10, mm-hmm. meaning that you have to take care of each other <laughs> first, get, right? Yeah, like you have yeah. to take care of each other first because you can't take care of anyone else 
well if you're breaking (laughs) and we have just like made an effort to keep the keep the conversation going when we need time together we ask for it we do it um but yeah it's caused conversations that i never thought i was gonna have with my husband you know Um, no there's that because i'm like even when you say you know you have a a daughter just find a balance in that and then now to add your husband it's like a lot of balances and you got to find time for yourself which is even more important (laughs) i think because if you can't help yourself really i found that to be so true i i like hanging out with myself more than anyone so (laughs) i definitely Hey, that's, that's good. Okay, <laughs> I take that. I take that Some one. Some people often. can't stand hanging with themselves. Which oh, how do you want people man, to hang out with come you? True, right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> your question uh, at this point, I've been really lucky and I've been really mindful. So we're doing really well, and thanks to each other, and thanks to our friends and our family who've who've helped us. Because if we didn't have any of that, he'd probably be dead. Yeah. No, so that's that is a blessing, and you um, you know you're helping other you know people that are in the community are going through that. So that that's also a right. blessing. So right. every, I think everything happens for a reason. I know earlier you mentioned you know the whole astronaut and him making an impact, but it's like in a way this is still making I think more of an impact. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, this is that's thank awesome. you for saying that. You know, um, obviously. Ford isn't going to be an astronaut, but he's he's already so much more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And how has he like changed your life for the better? Like, what has he taught you? <sighs> Man, what hasn't he taught me? <laughs> uh, Ford Ford completely stopped me from making judgments about people. Um, mm. Whether it was why is that kid in a stroller? He's six. Or why is that person overweight they should eat better you know whatever it was like even just even just like the smallest thought that would automatically pop into your head that doesn't happen anymore for me (laughs) you know I come from a place of genuine compassion and empathy towards people around me and I love that I love that I can look at that six-year-old and be like dang I gotta find out where she got a stroller that fit a kid that big rather (laughs) than like oh that kid's lazy judging Yeah. yeah um and I love that part um I love how connected it has made me with a community that I had no idea about and that I found such unity with and such uh I mean, I've, I've met some of the most amazing people who have changed my life already and it just keeps building and I'm so excited. I'm doing a podcast. Like what? I don't even, yeah. I never expected <laughs> I'd be doing a podcast. It's a weird thing that I'm doing that I'm like, hey, this is so awesome and random. Um, no, it's good. I'm, I'm really happy to have opened my eyes and to become a person who isn't stuck in the box that I may have been stuck in forever. Yeah, which a lot of people are, unfortunately. Yeah. I know that's that's one of the things for my platform, which is to like kind of normalize these conversations. Yes, I love um, that. And have people start talking more, you know, whether it's with these hard topics or topics that are typically made taboo or just relationships. So people of, you know, opposite sex, race, what have you could have access to the conversations that are already being had. So, yeah, and I'm so glad you're doing it. It's it's so important. 
important. And I've, I've listened to all of your episodes and I love the conversation topics that you've brought up so far. And I really appreciate uncomfortable topics and uncomfortable situation being, being more normalized and letting people in. So we stop putting people behind this weird curtain. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, it was hard, like kind of people do put you know, kids like this or people, because there are adults, you know, um, like this in a box. Don't include them in the conversation or don't know like what kind of questions to ask. So in your opinion, at least for your family, like what is the etiquette for approaching or asking questions about your little one? Yeah, I think that I I would personally invite anyone to ask me questions and say hi. The the stuff that really bothers me and sometimes on a bad day if I haven't slept or if we just came from a <laughs> crappy appointment, like when you're just staring at Ford mm, and yeah. maybe your mouth's open, maybe it's just a you know, your eyebrows furrowed, but like you actually don't even see anything else and you're not seeing me staring at you. It's so awkward and it's so, yeah. it's so offensive. He's a child and he's a beautiful, sweet child. All you have to do is smile, wave. That's it. You don't even have to talk yeah. to me, but please don't stare and yeah. don't make it, don't make don't make it weird. Yeah. Say hi. He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, he's like, a human he's being. A and, yeah. you know, I think most people can gauge like what mood someone's in after you say something or if they have time to answer your questions. But yes, I would invite that. Obviously, if I'm not in a hurry or if you're not saying something nuts, like ask people, say hi to these kids, say, say hi. Don't make it weird because when you act like we're not in the room, that's when that's when it's that's when it's the it's it's really it's it's stuff that can shut you down depending on the timeline of where you're at in your journey I mean I have been I have been devastated for hours in a day sometimes from just moments like that where I just don't understand why people can't see him Hmm. that's big and that's that's not good to feel um I can imagine so well I see you for a lot of people do see him and I'm in Atlanta like let people know where you're at yeah we live in Seattle Washington so it's a good (laughs) place to be living so that's another thing with this podcast it's like connecting with people that you otherwise wouldn't so that's what I love about this yes me too it's so cool so I know we're coming up on uh, time here so just let the people know like why is it important to share your story man you sharing your story you never know who's listening. I think that's probably the number one thing. You never know who's listening and you never know what it's going to do to help them see the light when they're in that deep, dark hole that they think nobody sees them in and that they're never going to get out of. Um, you never know who you're going to touch and maybe they become one of your best friends. Maybe you get a message from them. Maybe it changes the way you know they do anything. You never know who's listening and the smallest bit of your story can help someone so much. I know that's what helped me was I found some podcasts on disability and it brought me out of the darkness and it made me feel less alone. That's good. Well, I thank you again for being one of the brave ones and sharing your story. And I can't wait to hear some more like progress and um, what you guys are doing with your family. So thank you again for joining. Thanks, Linda. It was an honor to talk to you. I love your podcast and I love your mission. So thank you so much. Um, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, For my 
listeners, if you have thoughts on what you want discussed or featured, then please feel free to send an email to thechatconnection at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow me on IG at thechatconnection, all one word. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to The Chat Connection on several podcast platforms. Stay blessed and forget the rest. Mwah, mwah. You gotta get both cheeks, so that's considered rude, okay? Cheers!